0: For a giant, threaded beautifully, picked off white, calls Willsmore to come past. Now the finish can go over the top. Great football, Hawks. Great football, Chang'e, giant. Dylan Moore forces it forward. Willsmore. Instinctive off the left and accurate. Well done, Jones. dived, kept it alive. And Andrew Moore. It's inside a kick. Lovely tap, pin it. Luddle on the burst from 40 to put the The from the half of the ice. Well, Sunday is traditionally considered the Lord's Day, and the footy gods were certainly smiling down on the brown and gold, with the VFL and VFLW sides scoring premierships, a back-to-back effort, a beautiful day out at the footy, which can't be said that often for a day at Etihad Stadium, but here we are, Tiz, another edition of the Hawk Talk podcast, a surprise edition even, and aren't we just uh, loving life at the moment?
1: Well, everyone's up and about, aren't they? Box Hill brought it home, Hawthorne in
0: their first year in the Women's League, bring it home. Did exactly what Jeff Kennett wanted them to do, that is, a disruption. Absolutely disrupted. You
1: can't overlook them. We refuse to be ignored. It's an interesting effort from the women, because (laughs) they started well, and then Geelong looked like they were threatening, they were going to win. Uh, They sort of were overpowering them that third quarter. It was a tough slog, wasn't it? And certainly the pressure was on. When you look at... (laughs) They kicked two goals in the second half. Mm. They were their only scoring shots for Hawthorne. Yep. That's that's sort of uncanny accuracy that Geelong didn't
0: display. It was a Mooney-esque performance (laughs) from (laughs) Geelong, Geelong, which is (laughs) fitting. I guess the thing is we remarked quite early that it seemed to be a game where as soon as you get the ball into your half... It stays there. It tends to stay there. It takes a colossal effort to try and rebound it out of there. And uh, that seemed to be the case the whole game. But in the third quarter, Geelong kept pressing and pressing and pressing. And the moment they made a mistake, Hawthorne, through uh, Perko, just punished them instantly. Yeah. And uh, that pretty much yeah, Sarah, just sealed the game. Sarah Perkins with one shot for the quarter. Goal. Yep, yeah, It just seems... It was, it was almost like looking at Geelong going... You guys having a bit of trouble with this? This is how you do it. (laughs) Yeah, well, they'd uh, they'd missed
1: four reasonably good attempts at goal.
0: Oh, yeah. Some were almost directly in front.
1: And uh, our number five, Chantella Pereira, was just gathering everything, or at least impacting the contest. And uh, she deservedly got best of field.
0: A defensive effort, uh, or defensive cohort, I should say, that was under siege... For for a long time in that match, like I said, once the ball gets down there, it's locked in there for a long time, and they just have to absorb and absorb and absorb. In what was a strong display from the back uh, defensive cohort, she was definitely the shining light, and a a well-deserved recognition, I think.
1: Yeah, and the targets they were using up the line were excellent to create space and get there. It was, I
0: thought, a very deserving premiership from those girls. Absolutely. Because they've improved the whole year. Yeah, and they had, uh, we've talked about it before, throughout the season they had that run of, I think, six games. They started very strongly in the season and, I mean, this is their reward. They've, they've just fought the whole season. They've, you know, little by little looked more and more likely to to take home that silverware and they've done so today. And that one shot in the final quarter by
1: Gilda. Yes. <laughs> uh, number 33 on her back.
0: Oh, it's good to see a number thirty-three in brown and gold again, isn't it? Yeah,
1: but she must have been on the edge of her range because she just hoofed that and looked oh. very relieved or surprised and happy when that <laughs> went
0: through. Well, she—you're sl- so right. She slammed it onto her boot, and it just made it. Just it did. sailed through, <laughs> and her reaction was oh, you- the whole team. Oh, just- the celebration was something else, and you just—you pretty much knew it was over from there. That was the one that sealed it. Wonderful win. It's always nice. I mean, it, it carries on that tradition of that Hawthorn geelong rivalry. It just uh, finds another avenue for it to seep into. Yeah, and we got a congrats from the uh, opposition captain.
1: Always lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then Patrick Hill spoke. He spoke quite well. I think he was looking to get into the AFLW. Wouldn't you, by the way, he was talking? It's yep. very inspirational and... uh yeah. Yeah, they weren't going to be.
0: A, a cynical person would say that he 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 walked the line. <laughs> he did. You know, he, he yeah. trotted something out that was very. Um, and he thanked Mr. Kennett. He he did refer to him as Mr. Kennett. Very polite. Yeah. a little very distance curious. there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, just a distance of a respectful distance. I, I should say it is. Yeah. I think that's what it was. But um, no, he he walked that line, and you know, that's the cynical way of looking at it. I think it was. Um, It was a very good use of his platform because it was very selfless. He didn't make it about strictly his role or the team's role. He sent a message of inspiration to the young girls coming through that want to play Aussie rules, which is, I think, exactly what... And there were
1: many of them in the crowd, actually.
0: There were. There was a very good crowd in for the VFLW. That's exactly the sort of thing he should be saying. So, you know, there is that cynical side to it, but no, I applaud him for it. I think it was great. And having
1: seen that, the boys must have thought it was they were home and hoes because they came out and forgot to to play.
0: <laughs> yeah, all right. We'll move on to the VFL. It was it, all Casey for the first quarter. It was pretty tough going. It was tough to watch to begin with. It was. We
1: finally got a shot on goal, and then we finally kicked one. It's just... There it, it wasn't a lot... You know, he got a little bit defeatist there for a while because he was on the verge of... 26 points and look like going to 30 and as soon as that happens we know you're
0: pretty much out of the game. Yeah, that first quarter there seemed to be no signs of life, no spark. We had no no system. I remarked, I remember sitting in the stands with you that Box Hill weren't playing the way that we're used to Box Hill playing. And that's full credit to Casey early on. Hmm. they were Casey not only had it on their terms, they were completely nullifying and just dampening everything we that Box Hill wanted to try. We couldn't get any intercept marks going at all. No, could not switch the ball, which we love doing. Possession. Especially with the space that Eddie had affords compared to other grounds. That is exactly the style of play. And I know this for a fact, because when we did play there earlier in the year, Gets we the love doggies. running. Oh yeah. yeah, love running, love switching. Loved the space, and we just couldn't get that game going.
1: No overlap run in that first quarter. So it was four goals, four, eight shots
0: to two. Yeah. One goal, one. We were lucky to be around, really. The chances we had, which were very few at that stage in the game, we blew. And Casey, I would say, for the lead that they did amass, for the ascendancy they took, they also blew some opportunities. They just gave us... A pulse. They gave us something to go on with in the second quarter. Well, uh, Jackson Ross k- kept his head to kick that first goal. That was an important goal, that. that's It's really important for your confidence. It's just uh, a reminder that, no, things can go right. If you work hard enough, you will reap the rewards. If you go in at quarter time with nothing hmm. to show for it, that's it's pretty damning. The second quarter, it was fairly even. So what they did was they tried to, um,
1: tried to stifle Casey around the ball where we were getting chopped up, and hmm. they were creating far too many opportunities around the back of the pack. Yeah. So we had to disrupt that. And then uh, we worked on intercepting from the back line. I thought Brand played a fairly average game.
0: Yeah, he would be the best for mine, for sure. So he,
1: he, he made a few attempts at some remarkable marks. Yeah. And uh, probably tried too hard beyond his kicking ability a couple of times. He yeah, i agree with 70-metre passes and things yeah. like that.
0: Yeah, certainly when we tried to get our switch game up and about, I think he was a bit too ambitious at times.
1: Yeah, so uh, but eventually, with Pitnett in the ruck, and uh, Cousins and even Lovell had a big impact in the end.
0: Well, the thing about that second quarter is it was really on a knife's edge. You're like, well, as a spectator, you're sitting there. You're going, what are we watching here? Are we watching Box Hill blow their chances, or are we just waiting for things to finally click into place and they make their move? And uh, you couldn't tell in that second quarter because well, we had Casey some chances. One
1: goal, five. Yeah, to our two goals, three. Yeah, so I, they could. Oh, it was still on their terms in that quarter.
0: I seem to recall, and I could be wrong in saying this, I'm not sure we have the stats available, but we had a lot of inside 50s in that second quarter, I seem to recall.
1: Yeah, and they kept getting intercepted.
0: Yes. Yeah. So,
1: after halftime, we see Mira go back and Timmy mm. O'Brien go forward
0: with immediate impact. <laughs> yeah, Timmy O just reminded us all that uh, he was, in fact, a forward once upon a time. Yeah, and Mira was very good at intercepting behind the ball as well. He, he
1: seemed to predict the play much better than uh, anyone else had.
0: That's true, yep.
1: There's a couple of times he stifled efforts that look like certain goals. And also, Connor Glass, uh, who come, came in for a little bit of ribbing with a mm-hmm. couple of obvious turnovers earlier in the match, yep. really turned some uh, contests into winners.
0: Seeing as we're uh, talking about the back line, uh, we have to highlight the efforts of uh, CJ. Yeah, CJ, although he got a couple of heavy knocks. He didn't he did. stop trying. He's a very uh, he's a slight build, Yeah, is CJ, which, uh, I mean the trade off is is uh, uh, is enormous speed his closing speed is ridiculous and his intensity at the contest um to be able to follow through on the hunger that he clearly has for the ball is is a great asset um he did get battered around a bit he had a really interesting game because certainly early on um his opponent was doing some great things and he's kind of got worried about him it's
1: almost like they took him aside and said maybe beat you man first before you try and impact the yeah. impact the ball
0: yeah, and I reckon by the final siren, I reckon he broke even, maybe even got one mm-hmm. better on his man. Well, he was
1: very important in our first four A's forward. I mean, yeah. he
0: was the first one to really give us an inside 50, as I recall. Yes, he uh, ran off his man in what was essentially quite a brave play. When you're that far down on the scoreboard and... Roll you, the dice. Yeah, you roll the dice, you leave your man. And if that doesn't work out, yeah, Casey would definitely away for another goal down the wing and they would have got it all the way to the goal square. Um, It was quite an audacious play and it paid off. And uh, CJ had a number of moments like that. It was good to see.
1: Yeah. uh,
0: I also noticed that Jono
1: O'Rourke was extremely important in getting a couple of grubbers out of the centre square in the third quarter. Did you notice that? I did, yes. He had a lot of will for the ball. He may not have impacted too many contests, but he he certainly threw his body behind it. Mm. And uh, for a guy who's
0: looking at being delisted, he, he Put his best foot forward. Well, that's what I was about to ask you. What do you reckon his chances are of staying oh, on the list? I don't think they're great. No, but
1: there is a number of players that are candidates for the listings, and there'll be blokes who are who are leaving anyway, so they won't probably won't want too much change on the list, and he he might get another contract. But he probably should if he if he can look for opportunity elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I reckon there is still a hope for him. On a list. I'm just not sure it's Hawthorne. It's interesting, as we record this, obviously, we're, we're beyond now all of the seasons, really. I mean, VFLW's wrapped up, VFL's wrapped up, our AFL season's pretty much done. Uh, we've got the best and fairest to look forward to. And round of course, the low, low tomorrow <laughs> night from where we're recording right now. Um, I mean, news of list management and, well, that's the polite way of putting it, delistings. That has to be coming through soon, right? yeah well, i will
1: have the exit interviews you'd think early this week, yeah after the uh carousing has stopped mm. for uh, Tommy's Brownlow, which is obviously <laughs> imminent <laughs> is
0: it obviously imminent oh, I think so if you look at the markets mm. shouldn't be any worries there I don't know i'm I'm just gonna be a bit more coy on that one we'll hey? see yeah it'd be absolute robbery,
1: yeah um, arguably if you didn't yes. get it yeah, yeah arguably yeah.
0: And, uh, of course, we
1: haven't touched on who was best of field for the VFL.
0: Well, yeah, I was going to pull this back to the game. Um, because it stunned us a little. We thought Pito had it in the bag. And so did a lot of people. Going by the uh, the social media chatter... Which, uh, I mean, I've, we've got some of it in front of us. There's far too many. We haven't really had time to sit down and make some notes and really prepare this one, this special podcast properly, but there's a ton of tweets about this game, and we thank you for it, at Hawk Talk Pod. By the way, if you haven't joined us on Twitter yet, we've got a ton that basically suggested a consensus that uh, Pittenet was best on. Yeah. Which... Um, well, that lovely goalie set up for Lovell to take the lead. That was, was outrageous. outrageous. Yeah, it was
1: a beautiful touch.
0: That was uh, and and just a brief aside. I just I can't convince listeners that this is true because they weren't there. They're just going oh, to have to take us yeah, at our word.
1: Yeah, all right. I'll I'll tell them then. But it sounds uh, okay. better if I oh, tell. Okay, go them. for so it. So we both picked a player who would kick the goal to put us into the lead, <laughs> and uh, I think I picked Hanrahan, didn't I? And no, you picked Cousins. Cousins. It was, at, it was
0: at a stage of the game where there was a ball up about 10 metres out from our goal. And very much like the VFLW, they
1: hadn't been able to clear their back 50, Casey, mm. for a long time.
0: Yeah. The damn wall was about to break. We just didn't know how. So we both picked a player, and you, of course, picked Lovell. I picked Lovell, and then about two minutes later, Piddo taps it, Lovell the runs back. onto it. It's just an absolute beautiful goal. High fives ensue in the stands. Yeah. this <laughs> is a very fun moment. It was a weird kind of a day for that sort of thing, because... You know, we watched both games together, Tiz, and our yeah, predictive power was... we noticed were,
1: Pereira pretty early. Yeah, yeah they were kind of on point with our predictions. Beautiful. Oh, she was very good. I, just yeah. her anticipation and her mm. little flicks to her teammates and the, her ability to accelerate when she had the ball mm. uh, sort of set her apart from her opponents. But uh, in this case, Dave Mirror won
0: best of field. Yeah, and congratulations to him. Obviously, it's a fantastic story.
1: And thoroughly deserved after he's been such a great servant for the Box Hill Football Club. But I'm just going
0: to come out and say it that I don't think he was best of field. I think he was good.
1: Well, I think he may have been most important because his switch <laughs> yeah. from half forward to half back...
0: Yeah, strategically
1: he was vital, yes. Yeah. And uh, he gave us the ball and he gave us the, the possession and the ability to be able to dictate the game.
0: But what was it about... Pitternet's game that you liked, that so many other people liked. So he, he did have a fantastic outing. His
1: involvement was incredible. He was at every contest. Uh, his tackling, um, his ruck work. He did give away a couple of cheap free kicks to guys that are about two foot tall, uh, shorter than him. <laughs> well, that'll happen. <laughs> uh, four in seven kicks, seven handballs, five marks around the ground and four tackles. It's a pretty good effort. It is, yeah. Dave Mirror of course, had 18 disposals, 16 kicks, two handballs, eight marks, seven tackles. So you can see his work rate was huge, as is Will Ham's, mm. who seems to be a fantastic pickup for Box Hill.
0: Yeah, a bit of an unsung hero in yeah, that well, grand final, off, I think.
1: Off the uh, Eston list, and uh, he just does the right things. That, mm. that goal he kicked last week was just incredible mm. to get to get this far. Uh, and he, he saved, suffered a massive uh, tackle in that first quarter. Yeah. Oh, was almost a spear tackle, that. But what about Dylan Moore,
0: the finisher? I was going to go to Andrew Moore first, but we can talk about Dylan Moore because he is sensational.
1: Yeah, three goals, two.
0: Yeah, there was a point in the match where... I think he missed the two first, and then he kicked three straight. I was going to say, there was a point in the match where I thought, jeez, is he going to do that thing where he's that one player that just can't back up his prelim form? He did do that a month ago. (laughs) I think he kicked noughts four or five.
1: And uh, he threatened to do that again. There was
0: every chance he was in for a mayor, but it wasn't to
1: be. No, no. He he was the difference, I suppose. Yeah. He all goes from strength to strength. Dylan Moore, and he'll probably look at being on the fringes, probably might get his debut next year. Mm-hmm. He's certainly broken the curse of the number 36. It seems that
0: way, but still, can we um, set it on fire <laughs> and uh, throw it into a there, dumpster? There is a lot of evidence for it, but and then, and then send the dumpster out to sea. Can we do that? <laughs> I think I think it's broken now. Okay, but uh, I'm not willing to take the chance. Really, too much history behind it for well, me. You'll
1: probably get another number
0: anyway. I hope so.
1: Yeah, but uh, the goal that really shocked me. Yes. was the uh, Dallas Willsmore goal from 50. <laughs> yeah, he picked it up, put it on the boot, straight through from 50 while he was being tackled in two different directions. That was yeah. a wonderful goal and it kept us in touch. It was a response goal to one of their easy Casey goals, which they seem to get a lot of today. Mm. Uh, they either got free kicks or just unattended in the forward 50.
0: Yeah, a lot of um, instances where we were not so accountable that happened in the first half, which weren't great to watch. But basically, it was a team
1: effort that finally swayed the game, wouldn't you say? No individual, really.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, go <laughs> you go with
1: your whitey banter. Yep.
0: Well, I just, it's just a feel-good story, isn't it? It's been a long time coming for him. I, don't, I know it's not an AFL premiership, but he gets to see some premiership glory. Yeah. And he played well, I thought. He did some good things. He did. He did. A number of things,
1: uh, things that shouldn't have been allowed to happen. I think he had a three-on-one at one point and managed to even up the contest and get a ball up. It was terrific play from him.
0: Was that in the last quarter? That was a
1: pretty vital piece it, of play, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, they they kicked across the ground. It was a bad kick, but still they had men out on the flank, and uh, he managed to impact that contest and bring a holding—not uh, a holding the ball decision, but a ball up. It could have been holding the ball if the
0: uh, Box Hill supporters had got their way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it got to a stage there we were calling for everything because we felt so denied. Yeah, well,
1: the pressure was frustrating. And there were a number of, let's say, idiosyncratic
0: decisions by the umps. (laughs) Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. (laughs) Now, I think there's something I have to mention. I I want to mention it now in case we forget it. Uh, There was one crucial moment in the last quarter... Speaking of Moore, I want to speak of Andrew Moore. But I guess more importantly... Captain. Yep, Captain Andrew Moore. Did get on the scoreboard, but how did he get it? I want to highlight the efforts of Chris Jones... Oh, yeah. ...to beat, uh, what was it, two, three opposition players... I think it was, in the end, because there was one running to the contest. Yes, that's he right. He was about to arrive. And he just managed to get to the ball first. Jones somehow fed it out under pressure to Andrew Moore. Back into the corridor, who had absolutely no one around. That cut the margin to two points, and then yeah. we know what happened from there. I mean, Lovell was the next goal kicker after that, so I mean... He's a remarkable player, Jones. I think a couple of clubs looked at him a couple of years ago,
1: but he's, mm. he's just a little too one-dimensional to ever make it out of the VFL, I think. But uh, probably he's needs terribly more,
0: consistent. Probably needs a bit more bulk on him as well, I noticed today. Yeah. Very tall, but uh, it'd, it'd help if he just put on a bit, I think. But he's honest. Honest as the day is long. Definitely. Absolutely.
1: So, Casey, he put on the Melbourne Football Club. <laughs> it was beautiful. They look like they were about to do what West Coast did to them. And then they stopped, and it was all one-way traffic after in the last quarter.
0: Now, you'll call me superstitious, Tiz, and, and that's completely fair. I've earned oh, the I, tag. I,
1: no, this is this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is this, this, arguably I, my favourite moment I of the day.
0: I couldn't believe this. Um, this is 100% fact, listeners. This actually happened. <sighs> now, it was a surprise to, I think, everyone when, that, the, when uh, the national anthem uh, wasn't just sung, it was played by former Melbourne great Russell Robertson. I did not see that coming. I don't think anyone did. No, he had the guitar out. Yep. I thought, where's Clarko? He's been upstaged. Get Clarko out on the guitar. That would be much better. Right. But no, we got Robertson, and he wasn't that bad.
1: Well, you know, as the anthem goes, you can really bugger it up, and he did not make a complete dog's breakfast of it.
0: Well, a lot of people don't also play
1: the anthem. He was strumming away on guitar. Most people oh, just see. stand there. He, he created his own accompaniment. Yep. <laughs> well, I, th- I thought I think he's used to that playing in a Melbourne forward line. <laughs> yes, right.
0: Well done. Geez, <laughs> kicking while they're down, Tiz. <laughs> no, nah, you you're just the person to do that. You hate the Melbourne Football Club, don't you? Yeah, well, listen, if you're going to
1: beat Hawthorne, make sure it's a grand final, all right? Or well, there's no coming back. You only have to ask Richmond,
0: Melbourne, Geelong, Sydney. Sydney yeah, they're all oh, done. we'll get to that, but um. Russell Robertson sings the National Anthem. You think, oh, that's cute. Yeah, and then, well done. lo and behold, he's back at half time. Yeah, I and mean, he had a medley of awfulness.
1: I mean, a medley of songs, didn't he? It was like listening to a Triple M Workday. But then one song in particular...
0: This is just unbelievable, began listeners. ...began to grate on the Melbourne and Casey support that had shown up. This is the ultimate example of trolling. This is probably my favourite example... <laughs> In recent years, I'm not kidding around. So what happened was Russell Robertson, out of all the songs he could have played... Yeah, well, we know that the Eagles anthem is We're Flying High, yeah, right?
1: But what happened after they finished singing that is they sing this song at the ground
0: and it fills the whole stadium. Eagle Rock. Eagle Rock. Who does that? I was not aware of the significance. I didn't realise that... The West Coast Eagles actually play Eagle Rock. You've never seen all the old people in the West gyrating (laughs) to Eagle Rock. That sounds like something they'd do. There's not a lot going on over there. (laughs) But um, no, I had no idea that that's a thing they did. So that that makes it even worse. That Russell Robertson, as part of his set list a day after a crushing preliminary final loss (laughs) to the seniors, decides to play Eagle (laughs) Rock.
1: And not just the radio version, the... Complete and unending 15-minute <laughs> version that goes over the entry of Casey onto the ground <laughs> and is finally
0: quashed by the siren sounding. As you said at the time, Red Simon's on the gong. <laughs> Get him off. <laughs> the siren me... actually did interrupt him, was Yeah. Oh. Anyway. It's just a moment of beauty. And look, call me superstitious, I'm sure you all will, when that song... Rung out across Etihad Stadium, I thought to myself, I'm not sure this is the thing that happens to a winning side. I'm not sure Casey can come back from that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I don't know, I I just... I think there are some things that are symbolic about the day. And when something like that happens, I just get the sneaky suspicion that the fortune is not favouring Casey.
1: Yeah, well, Jay Kennedy Harris didn't get a touch after that song, I'm pretty sure of that. There you
0: go. (laughs) So... Since we're talking about the prelims, I guess we have to discuss the Melbourne one first. Oh, there's not much to discuss, is there, if you haven't kicked the goal at half-time? Did that break records in the end? I'm not actually sure whether it did or not, but it almost doesn't matter. It's a no, terrible look. it doesn't matter. And it was shocking. It was all uh, set in motion by our mate, Jordan Lewis. The sleeper, as he'd become... <laughs> He's got the trigger word. Yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon it was, the trigger? Contract? Oh, really? God. <laughs> nah, Clarko or was on the trigger. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, he was. Well, the thing was, he was getting the ball. The other blokes weren't. Yeah. And they were never in a position to receive it from Lewis. And he was basically sending it to where it should be. Yeah. And he found uh, Josh Kennedy. And he found Cripps. <laughs> <he> All
0: that found... <laughs> every single weapon he could he could find. He would hit up. Oh, look, it's unfortunate. And, and look, we've been called out. Well, me specifically since I was live tweeting the game. Having a crack at a great. Yeah, having a crack at a Hawthorne great. Look, Jordan Lewis will always be a Hawthorne great. He'll always be a Hawthorne champion. But I'm pretty okay with him not ever having premiership success again. And you know what? It's all all just jokes. Come on. Lighten up. Yeah. Not really having a crack at Jordan himself. Nah, not really. Just the team around him. Yeah, it it was just fun. It was fun to watch. And listeners know, anyone who's listened to our podcast recently, anyone who's jumped on board, they know that I wanted West Coast to win. Well, it's the Rioli prophecy. Oh, yes,
1: do tell. Oh, well, you draft a Rioli, you mm. either appear in a grand final if you're playing in the 80s, or you win a premiership if it's any time after. That actually seems on point. So, apparently, uh, there's Morris Rioli. Yes. He played in a grand final, lost in 82, but got the Norm Smith. Yes. Then we drafted Willie Rioli Sr. And won 191. Uh. So, we drafted him in 1990. Then, of course, there's Dean Rioli. Yes, for the Essendon Football Club. ended in, yep, within two years, a premiership for Essendon. Yes. Within two years of Cyril, a premiership for Hawthorne. Yeah. Within <laughs> two years of Daniel Rioli, this a premiership for Richmond. This is weird. And now Willie Rioli, drafted to West Coast. Yep.
0: Within two-year period, he's appearing in a grand final. Fair to say, a pretty significant family to football. Talk about impact. <laughs> you well, they've always been impact players, tis. <laughs> so I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. But um stunning, isn't it? It really, it really is. And how about West Coast? Do you rate them after the, after that performance? Well, they just or, or have do... such a different style
1: of football. It's uh yeah. I, I'm not sure if the pies have the players
0: for their forward line. No, it's kind of scary once you have Darling and Kennedy up and about, which yeah. which happened on the weekend. Not to mention all of the the other weapons that they have. I, I thought the run off the uh, off the wing and and Melbourne allowed them to use the corridor, but uh, oh, moving look. moving through the corridor, the likes of Jeddah and Rioli and didn't Ryan, Jetta play well? Yeah, Jeddah was good. I'll give him that. He had a couple of intercept marks as well, which is not yes. really his go. Yeah,
1: and I mean Ryan and Rioli, they just uh, they carved had, them up. They had them second guessing the whole night. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure you can take much out of yeah out of that game. That's if what I'm wondering at how West Coast play because there's no pressure on them, but uh, which will mean Buckley's just uh, sort of having to go back to other games to
0: see how to play them. The last time West Coast um, met them at the G, yeah, met them at the G. They won pretty handily. So I guess since now we we mentioned Collingwood, let's talk about what happened on Friday night. What didn't
1: happen was the Tigers didn't show up. Uh, and Hardwick looks severely pained in the box very early mm. and uh shades of Ross Lyon watching his club <laughs> go around. It's sort of you know, they looked defeated before they'd got to the to halfway through the second
0: quarter. Yeah, the only thing that was missing with Hardwick was him literally scratching his head.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: that's true. Because and and this is a funny thing, we you know, we bring up quite indulgently our predictive powers before with today's games. But um, I want everyone to cast their minds back to our qualifying final preview. And it was my contention that Hawthorne would have to go the jugular quite early and get the ascendancy quickly. Put the scoreboard pressure. Yeah, and force Richmond to fight their way back into a game, which is something they've not been tested on, in my calculation, since about round one, when they faced Carlton of all teams. Yeah, well, you're very susceptible if
1: you're playing counter-attack style. And it Mm. looked like they only had one... Game plan.
0: They had one gear, basically.
1: Yeah. If uh, if the game plan isn't working and you're falling behind,
0: yeah. counter-attacks very, very dangerous because you can go further behind much quicker. Exactly. And I guess even psychologically, in the minds of the players, to be on the back foot... Yep. Yeah. That they haven't been in that space all year, that headspace, and then everything they're trying isn't really working.
1: Well they did get a number of over-the-back goals that sort of over the back possessions to get to mm. the next contest. Yeah. And they just didn't have that much confidence in their players to start yeah. going ahead of the ball, which meant that they no longer had the
0: open options that they're used to, and you just saw the whole thing sort of fall in a heap. The question was, which, you know, as you know, me and the rest of the Twitterverse were, mm. were wondering as we were watching is what are Richmond made of? They've well, never, never been in this position. Can they fight back? And the answer was no.
1: It was like both losing preliminary finalists went back five
0: years. It's true, yeah. It's yep. exactly how they played. They were listless and just didn't have any backup plan. They didn't have any answer for it. And Rewalt was easily their best. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you want to say they had any sniff at all, it was because of him. Yeah. But who did you like for the pies? Oh, still side bottoms unbelievable. Yeah. Having a fantastic series. What, what do you get? Forty-one touches or something in the end.
1: Well, it's just—it's not just that. It's just how how impactful those touches are. They're all over just, the ground, aren't they? Yeah, and no one seems to be able to run with him or stifle him at all. Yeah, and he just directs. And Grundy's great as well. Yes, yeah. Pendlebury, even Trelaw looked terrific, and he's only had a couple of weeks back. Now there's so, one
0: big glaring omission in your roster there.
1: Oh, the uh, the Cox boy,
0: <laughs> big Cox. Big cocks, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, we saw him round one and he dropped everything. Yeah. So I'm not sure that he's going to be marking everything next
0: week. Now, even as recently as this morning, okay, I heard his game being called one of the greatest preliminary final performances of all time. Yeah,
1: okay. For Collingwood.
0: Yeah, well, I'm not willing to call it one of the best of all time. Okay. Why not? Why he, was, he was he was very good, but I've seen better than that. Have you? Yes, I have. <laughs> do you think... Uh, he was a match winner, no doubt, but I've seen better.
1: Do you think we should just, you know, list a really, really tall guy that can just run with cocks and put his hand up near him to punch <laughs> the ball? Do you off? think that'll do it? Well, I do, actually, because no one else can get anywhere near his hands. Yeah, it's true. He can't take the arm anymore, so... It does seem to be a bit of the cheat mode about it. Do you know what I mean?
0: What, through a guy being tall?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's entitled to be that tall. Yeah, I know. But if you would design your own AFL player for, you know, the the Xbox or whatever, <laughs> you, you, a you make him 10 foot tall and they never get... <laughs>
0: it's all chopping the arms free kick. Well, it's not as if he's grown overnight. He's, no, he's always I, been that tall. I understand tall. that. And, and he has some bad games as well. He has, he has some good games. Yeah. But, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to wonder if he's ever going to be, is he going to be the factor next week in oh, the grand I, I final? I don't think so. They'll have a plan. Yeah, I would have thought so too. Yeah.
1: Even if it is just absolutely smash him in the first quarter.
0: Yeah, I think one of, uh, one of our listeners uh, actually suggested that there's nothing more certain <laughs> than Cox having, what, like an eight disposal game next week yeah. in the grand final and well, doing nothing. Oh, I- Lakey wouldn't let it
1: happen, would he? No, exactly right. But he went near the ball that first time he came through the back of his
0: head with the elbow. Perfect. Perfect play. Totally illegal, but. And also classic Lakey. No, just made him earn it, mate. Yeah, just right. Just made okay. him earn it. Just yeah, like that's... that Michael Walters
1: incident where I had my head in my hands, certain that was a 50. Yeah. And the umpire was like, oh, no, you're... simulation. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. What a moment. So what does this mean for uh, Richmond now? Because I'm delighted. What does it mean for Richmond? Yeah, A whole lot of navel-gazing and no longer running ahead of the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Oh, they get Tom Lynch, they reshape, they retool, they change their whole way of playing football and they never look likely again,
0: I would expect. (laughs) Well, that's my hope. But it's interesting to consider not only have they really blown it, they've blown a real opportunity being the best team all year and falling at this hurdle, you got to consider, Tiz, that how many rule changes and what rule changes are oh, coming that, through? Yeah. What's our game going to look like? And does that mean that Richmond's window has closed? Has been closed for them? I, I would say everybody's
1: wondering what those rule changes would be because some premiership windows are definitely going to open and others will shut as a result of those changes. I mean, 2019, while I hate the changes... That's why I tell you, if you finish 13th, you're almost a dead cert. For, the, for at least a grand final.
0: Yeah, right. And,
1: and the Dogs know about it because they finished 13th <laughs> in 2015, <won> 2016. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, Richmond finished 13th, one twenty 2017. All right. right, twenty 13th team on the ladder was Collingwood, who yep. are now in the grand final. Okay. This year,
0: finishing 13th, Western Bulldogs again, see? All right. They know about it. So really what you're saying is if Hawthorne won next year's Premiership, having finished lost, fourth.
1: If we'd lost one more game last year,
0: <laughs> well,
1: no, we of, would have gone two weeks further just, into the year. I'm
0: just putting it out there. With that theory in mind, if Hawthorne somehow conjures up a Premiership having finished fourth the year before, that's a fairy tale.
1: That's a fairy tale. <laughs> that's, a, that's
0: a fair dinkum fairy tale.
1: <laughs> have we got any fairy tales left? I think they're all shut, aren't they?
0: No, that's why I love it. Yeah, That's why I, right. the, the results... And you know what? I put, put the moz on the teams with Mason's multi... For one night only, I brought Mason's multi back, and it had the exact desired effect. I put the curse on Richmond and Melbourne, and it, it worked beautifully. That was wonderful. There was never a chance nope. from a quarter to seven that evening. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly what I When you put that on, the dollar, yeah, the one the dollar that dollar. brought down the double. Oh, mate, if you put it like this, hey, Nick, do you want to buy for a dollar Richmond getting absolutely pumped in the prelim final? Yes, please. Sold. And, and as a bonus, Melbourne. Yeah, I'll take Melbourne too. Lump them in. What a sale. But no, I'm pretty pleased with how um, the results worked out. And, uh, do you, do you there is one fairy tale left. Okay, go on. Willy Rioli, Norm Smith. Oh, look, I'd, I'd be pretty happy for him. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I want West Coast to win. Do you? Yep, I want West deny, Coast to win the flag. Yep. Deny
1: Collingwood. Yep.
0: Deny Collingwood. Um, just get footy out of our backyard. I mean... If it's not us, don't make it a Victorian team. So West Coast have played in more prim-
1: in more uh, grand finals than Hawthorne since 1990 now. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Seven okay. to six. I had no idea that that was a thing. Yeah. Right, and Collingwood have, I guess, also played in quite a few. Well, I mean, West Coast is
1: uh, 91 where mm. we beat them, 92, 94 where they're both victories, and then 05, 06, 2015 and 2018.
0: Not a bad little club. As a West Coast fan, you probably don't hold that many fears about... You're not scarred after what happened in 2015. Because, I mean, more and more... And this is the other side effect of... Well, it was very much like the 2013.
1: The Frio supporters were just happy to be there. They didn't think they'd win. Yeah. And it was similar with the West Coast supporters. Even though the whole media was like, they're going to win. They were like, nah, we're not going to (laughs) win. And they were right. (laughs) thankfully wow were they ever mind you Sydney supporters the year before
0: were like oh no we got this (laughs) they never did well the other side effect of Richmond no longer being a contender it's it's wide open not for a fairy tale but it's wide open for a new club to uh to get that flag, we all thought it was going to be Richmond. It was who could stop them? Who could stop them? And now suddenly we're looking at oh gee, Eagles or Pies as premiers. Didn't see that coming. Well, I didn't see Rance being so bloody awful at
1: fullback. That was good coming, fun, wasn't it? The go. Goey just pantsed him. He's such a good player. What is he? A second, third year player. Yeah. Rance has been going around for a long time. He's just appealing to the umpire
0: as if he's drowning. Well, he was drowning. He was getting a bath. <laughs> nice. <laughs> But the side effect of Richmond no longer being in calculations, it tells the football world everything that Hawks fans already knew. And that is, it's bloody tough to win one. It's really, really tough to win two, to get three in a row. Three flags in a row is just incredible. Absolutely. And the Eagles caught us in that era where we were at our very best. We're outside that era now, obviously. Hawthorne's a different side. Still a top four, mate. Oh yes. no,
1: no, now we're top six.
0: Well, top After six, the but the team looks very different. Mm-hmm. Must be said, and the Eagles—they're removed from that time as well. They've regenerated. You wouldn't be holding many fears. I don't think there's going to be a relapse. I think the Eagles are a very good shot to win the flag. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're on them. I'm on them. Okay. And it uh, sounded like you're going to be contrary there for a sec, but you've backed them as well.
1: No, no, I don't. I think if they can at least break even in that uh, Collingwood
0: midfield, they should be fine. Because they've got the foot, they've got the firepower up forward.
1: The only thing I am worried about is there wouldn't be too many teams that have lost two Brownlow medalists and then won a premiership the following year. That is an excellent point. Hmm. Very strange. However, one of them only spent a year on the list, so <laughs> that's true. Yeah.
0: And now he's coming back to Hawthorne, which is nice. Oh, well, I hope he's at Box Hill. He'll have to defend the Premiership. <laughs> and just like that, we've come full circle. Well, I think we're going to uh, wrap this little episode up here, this this special little episode we've put on post the VFL and VFLW Premierships. It's a good day. It was a wonderful day out. Wonderful the footy. end of the year, really.
1: Because we, yeah. we kind of knew that Hawthorne. We're going to end at some point. They weren't
0: premiership material. Yeah, neither of us picked them for winning the flag this year. It was just a matter of how it played out. Would it be nice to get a win? Wasn't to be, but I tell you what takes the uh, the edge and the but, sorrow off that is us winning today. But two finals into the young fellas, and yep. uh, we know Warple and Nash didn't front
1: up for the Box Hill today. They, mm. they were told to take it easy. Yep. So, uh, obviously, club's happy with the workload they've had. And... Uh, Still managed to win the Premiership. When, no I, jump on,
0: when I jump on Twitter later, uh, I'll be scrolling through the feed. I expect there'll be plenty of pictures of our of our Box Hill boys holding up the cup and mm-hmm. celebrating. And uh, with that in mind, I'm going to be wearing shades because the future's bright, Tiz. Is it? The future's bright. Terribly bright. <laughs> there's a lot of great things to look forward to about Hawthorne heading into 2019. And you say it's over. But we've got recruiting. Well, there's that. But also there is, as we mentioned earlier in the show, one last thing. Oh, and that tomorrow is, evening. Titch for the Brownlow. Now, uh, we're recording this Sunday night, so uh, just a heads up to anyone who happens to listen to this in time. Yep. what time does the red carpet start? Because that's that's almost the best part, right? (laughs) Doesn't the whole event itself go for about eight hours? That's what I heard. Anyway, uh, look, if you're lucky, listeners, if anyone cares at all, I might be live-tweeting it. We'll see. We'll see if I could be bothered, because it's a long time.
1: Hopefully it's a good speech from Titch, because he's been very, very... What's the word? Um, boring in the way he's been conducting interviews recently. <laughs> well, he's, he's just he's playing it down. Waiting for the he? cash, is he? <laughs> what was the story? That's a weird story. Apparently his uh, management asked for money. <laughs> this is not a new idea, mate.
0: What is... well, I mean, it's been
1: going on for years in the US. I mean, well, That's what I thought. So, Such a tiny little nation here that we're not allowed to have that kind of thing go on. Is that, is that what happens? I don't know. I'm a bit bewildered by the outrage. McLaughlin
0: felt he had to step in. Just has another coffee with Clarko and everything's (laughs) sorted. (laughs) Tell you what, we've had a good weekend, and if anything cap it off, it'd be Mitchell for the Brownlow. And after that, Tiz, we're in full swing with the list management, the trades and the drafts, and...
1: It's all good fun.
0: It's all good fun, and we'll be back. Uh, we'll let you know, obviously, via the social media pages we've got going uh, when we're going to be back for our next episode after this one. We'll probably do a grand final recap, to be honest, now that I think of it.
1: Well, only with Hawthorne Trade News, if we've got some.
0: Yeah, if anything's happening around the club, we'd obviously prioritise that and uh, obviously give our two cents on the grand final result. So, uh, the way to keep in touch with us, obviously, Twitter. Twitter.com slash pod. That's where you want to go for that. Facebook.com slash pod as well. Jump on there and rate and review us on iTunes. We've had some lovely ratings and reviews coming lately and uh, it's been awesome to see. And uh, every little bit encourages us to make the podcast bigger and better each time we do hit that record button. Tears, what a wonderful day it's been. It was a long day. It was a big, big day out at Idiad Stadium. They certainly gave the women ample time to celebrate between the matches. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yep. But, I mean, that's what it's all about. They, they earned it. The women did a fine job.
1: They did very good at celebrations, actually, I thought, the women.
0: Although we were allowed on the ground for the men's, which was good. It reminded me of that um, the Buddy Franklin 100th goal that you didn't get to see. Yeah. Great. Thanks for that. <laughs> I think we'll uh, just wrap up the podcast here on that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> on a <downer. laughs> We are a happy team at Hawthorne.